I'm also recording. And ooh, I do not know how I'm going to clap. Recording. <laughs> Just bang the table. Okay. You don't know how you're going to do what? <laughs> clap. Clap. That's what. What is the sound of one hand clapping? That's hilarious. All right. Let's hello, clap hello. sync in. Uh, okay. You ready? Yep. Let's clap sync in three, two, one. You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, coming to you at full 100% capacity once again. Fellas, it's been a while since- Yeah, I was going to say, welcome back, listener, and welcome back, Gandalf. Yes. Well, because we had we had an episode where it was just me informing y'all that we could not all record together. Then we had three episodes, whole episodes, where it was uh, I was not involved, but- Fellas, I appreciate you guys recording in my absence. I enjoyed listening to them. It was nice to listen to it as just a regular listener. I've had, well, I've we had missed several, you. Yeah, I've, I've had several listeners uh, quote the uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers to me uh, in recent weeks. Tell me where is Gandalf, for I much desire to speak with him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a homecoming episode if I didn't quote Lord of the Rings yet again. But I like the line. Um, where they, after Gandalf has fallen to his supposed doom in Moria, Frodo says, you know, it's hopeless without Gandalf. And Aragorn says, then we will have to do without hope. So <laughs> I appreciate you guys going without hope. Uh, there it is. Uh, yeah. Um, mm. Well, the, the irony so, is this is also a welcome back for Matt too, because he's been out of commission because he got to have his long awaited shoulder surgery. Yes. Yes. And all went well there. Uh, recovery has been not very fun. Uh, also, we start every episode with a clap sync uh, in order to sync our microphones, and that was quite difficult today since I can't clap my hands. But uh, other than that, glad to be back, glad to be together. And uh, it's given us some time to think a little bit more about Genesis 19 as uh Everybody wants time to meditate on the story of Sodom, right? So yeah. before we, uh, I'm just trying to think of the unknowing that. church member who came in to see their pastor, and they heard you pound your desk uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in lieu of the clap sync, and they're like, "Ah, oh, maybe I'll wait and catch him on Monday." <laughs> yeah, li- li- listener, let me tell you two quick things before we get started. Uh, number one, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you guys did a great job of saying that in my absence, but if for whatever reason you're listening to this and you are not subscribed, you are not following the podcast, it means you're not getting a notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. And it also means that you're not telling the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. So if you do believe that, go ahead and do that on your platform of choice. And number two, if you listen all the way to the end of the episode, I'll include a little special thing for you where you can uh, you can hear Matt slamming his desk because uh he can't clap I can't so, he, clap. so he has to slam his desk so that we can synchronize audio and uh i actually heard it down the hallway my office is down the hallway from where matt is i, and heard, I heard it 45 it miles life. up highway 45 <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness the light earthquake registered up here uh. <laughs> 
So I so I'm taking it from Nathan's cue earlier. We are still in Sodom and uh Oh yes. Destruction is uh still still taking place. Well, we're not to destruction yet. We're still Oh boy. I'm we're waiting. we're still deconstructing what Sodom is first before we actually get to the destruction. Uh but anyway, we're going to reread today Genesis 19, 1 through 11 just as a reminder. And we're going to talk about a few uh, modern pushbacks to the destruction narrative, and and also um, a little bit um, about how this fits into the literary pattern of Genesis. So some poetry, I, I be, some video games, yeah, a lot in store. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a fun episode. So hang around. Mm. There's a high probability that we'll quote George Lucas again. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, um, why don't I read today? Uh, let's see. This is Genesis 19, 1 through 11. Is that cool? That's cool with me. Well, you didn't All clap, right. so you need to do something. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Genesis 19, 1, 1 through 11, as always, reading from the English Standard Version. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. I had an epiphany while you were reading, and if we, if, if we like, if there was a dramatized episode of this, then uh -huh. right as right as all the men of Sodom are coming to the door to get you know to get these angelic visitors, someone mm -hmm. needs to cue in the background Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. Where have all the good men gone and where yeah. are all the gods? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> this is like a zombie movie, man. Like, it, 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 is, it is kind of freakish, isn't it? 
It, it, it there's it, man, there, there's just I, no. I guess there's no reason reasoning with wickedness, man. That's some scary stuff. Mm. Blindly what? groping at the door is just a. Uh, that's it, a pretty dismal scene. Yeah, it, that's the name of my metal band. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but it is rather like uh, zombie like that. They are so uh, they have such insatiable lust that they they are groping at the door even after struck blind, still trying to get these men. That's that's pretty bad. Mm. But, so uh, on that high note, where are we going today? <laughs> that's right. So uh, a, a couple things. First of all, we talked a little bit about boundaries last time, and we just want to extrapolate upon that discussion. We went all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the fact that there were two trees. There was a tree of knowledge. One was to be a tree of beauty. Uh, one was to be a tree of not just beauty, but consumption. Well, you might and, even argue the firmament in Genesis 1. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I haven't thought about that. What well, Extrapolate for our listeners, though, but I agree. Uh, you know, when uh, the waters below are separated from the waters below, uh, above, mm-hmm. and you have the, I think in an earlier episode, we went into the idea of the the three heavens to which Paul alludes mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Second Corinthians. Um, but uh, the idea that there is a boundary between earthly things and heavenly things that Eden uh, represents the overlap between heavenly and earthly. You know, it's not just a mm-hmm. place where east meets west; it's a place where uh, heaven meets earth, um, and that you have the overlap of uh, earthly beings and heavenly beings in that space. But even within Eden, there are still boundaries, and it's represented, as you were saying, by those two trees, because those boundaries come back into play over and over and over. Wow, Nathan, that. Uh, that's really good. So it makes me think of a couple things there. Um, to the modern reader, reading about two trees in the garden, one you eat from, one you don't. And that seems the word that I think the modern reader would use would be arbitrary. Mm. The ancient serpent felt that way too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and what I mean by arbitrary in the modern sense is that it just seems. Uh, no flipping. point to it. Like, just oh, why, 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 yeah. What's the logic behind that rule? Right. Uh, now, Says who? Why not? Yeah. It, right. So actually arbitrary in, in the classical sense means just the imposed will of the arbiter. And the arbiter is the one with the power to make the boundary. Yeah. And and it, it doesn't necessarily mean flipping. It just means it's imposed by the arbiter. That's right. And, and, so, and but we, if, if we, you know, to the modern... The modern listener, the modern mind that associates individual choice with freedom uh, and liberty, right? Regardless of collective responsibility, uh, mm-hmm. to, to the modern mind that associates uh, choice with freedom, if we cannot immediately discern the logic or the character behind a commandment, we want to push back against it. Says who's or says why, right? Right. So, and here's another thing to think about, because this this uh, passage is classically known, Genesis 19 is classically known as a story about sexual misbehavior um, and the violation of sexual boundaries. Uh, that's what it's classically known for, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But to a modern reader, for so many people who've grown up in the modern, or at least the secular modern age, um, that... Primary see primarily sees human beings as biological beings 
rather than the the Hebrew view of the nefesh, the word for soul, that it is man is both body and soul. He's of heaven and earth. That there is there there's something more than just molecules in motion. Man is more than a brain. Humans are more than a brain. Stuff like that. Is that? Oh, it's like um, uh, it's like Yoda's quote in Empire Strikes Back. There it is. I know it was we, coming. Welcome not back, this crude Gandalf. matter. <laughs> right, right. But uh, so I think, though, to, to push back against Yoda a little bit, is that I think the Bible contends for that we're not luminous beings. We're, we're not. It's, I don't think it's Greek dualism that, you know, we're actually a spirit trapped inside this, you know, uh, this bag of meat. No, I think mm. what the, the Hebrew view is that the nefesh, we are that I'm thinking of Genesis chapter two, where God made man of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. That what it means to be human is to be of both heaven and earth. Yeah, and, and that, you know it's interesting. Uh, we're, we'll never get there, but maybe our descendants will. Um, <laughs> you know, the New Testament teaching on resurrection is not a, an eternal state of being disembodied spirits. Right. The, the hope is resurrection. Right. The right. body to is not left out of God's ultimate plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that more more on that on another day. Yeah, but I, th- I think this is important here. But to a modern mind that sets religion aside, okay, um, because to a modern if uh, a modern secular, their understanding of religion is that religion has has been imposed upon humanity by Darwinian means as a functional way of doing life that allows life to prosper. There's a book that I read a few years ago called Survival of the Nicest, and essentially the premise is this, is that the reason religion came into being is that because having boundaries prevented things like cannibalism uh, from happening and people, other cultures destroying themselves. So the cultures with the most boundaries um, created by religion early on were the ones uh, that were most prosperous. Prosperous. The irony is, is that th- it's also that group that pushes today for the removal of boundaries because they see themselves as much more enlightened than those. You know, now humanity is able to move beyond the boundaries that were arbitrarily imposed upon us uh, by the will of the arbiter, which in the secular mind is the people. It's the human. Uh, all religion is ultimately man-made. So what I'm saying is, is that a secular person looks at this story about sexual misbehavior and says, "So what?" I mean, now, like, what was what was the what was the uh, destruction level offense of Sodom? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Hello, why? Clarice is what I was thinking. You know, um, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, why? Wonder. Why is this so bad? Why is there a boundary? And we're going to talk about what the boundary actually was. But why is there a boundary on this kind of uh, sexual misbehavior, sexual sin? Why is why is there a boundary here? Why is this so offensive if all we are is a body and molecules in motion? Well, to me, this kind of goes with the, uh, you know, uh, whether or not we will trust that there's a character behind the command. It kind of right. goes hand in hand with the discussion we've already had of whether or not Lot was wrong to settle in mm. Sodom. Right. Right. Uh, and one of the things that we've talked is the Bible doesn't always do moral or immoral for every possible decision. Sometimes it goes wise and foolish. 
And the, mm. the irony is, you know, sometimes there's a moral and immoral component to wise and foolish. Absolutely. But sometimes things are just wise and foolish. And over time, foolish decisions almost inherently lead to immoral decisions, right? No, mm. if you settle it, I think, I think it was Matt who said, if you settle in uh, Sodom, your family does not get out unscathed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, the irony is, is the whole, uh, exactly the boundary thing. What is a city? What the, these cities have walls. You are outside of the city. You are inside the city, but, but once you're inside the city, boundaries don't seem to matter. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. because lots got a house, his house has a door and what are they doing? They're trying to break one, down the, they're trying to break boundary. down the door. Yeah. You know, I, well, before we're recording this whole discussion reminded me the whole garden versus city thing it reminded me of my first full-time pastorate uh was in a bedroom community small town and uh, there was a family that lived right across the street from the church and this family never ever locked the door to the house but no one would ever break the boundary of their door like i pity the fool <laughs> uh right. because, because this family was so known loved and respected uh that you would have to be mad uh, to go into a door that was unlocked. Meanwhile, in the city, everyone locks their doors and you still worry that someone's going to break in, right? Right. Um, and so, so there's that irony, you know, Lot is in the city. A city has a city wall. Uh, like you said, he's gone from pitching his tent near Sodom to uh, sitting, at, sitting the at the gate where gate. the elders would, you know, and they play on that. This This fellow who came to sojourn has now become the judge. This guy's right. making even more of himself. And even if someone, whether it's assuming his importance or has attained some importance, they don't hesitate to try to break his door down. Mm. Um, so, uh, and I, I would argue that uh, everyone operates with boundaries. Uh, we just all assume we have the right ones, right? Uh, if, well, we, if we push I, back against uh, something that feels arbitrary, like you said, uh, then we're, we're convinced we have a better sense of right and wrong. We, en we enlighten modern people. Right. Well, it's it's ironic because Matt, to Matt's point, he's talking about how you know we have these arbitrary boundaries in place, and we should remove them because you know we've out we've outgrown that morality system. But like doing something just because you want to and it feels good, like the men of Sodom here, isn't that in of itself also arbitrary? It's just a different arbiter. Yeah, right? the, the arbiter has become the, the will of that people. We're all under arbiters. Just be That's careful right. who who's ar who arbiter you give yourself over to. There's and, yeah, but there's there's mob rule, and and this is you know this comes back to the discussion of what boundary was crossed in Sodom, because when people uh, make the claim that God is overreacting, overstepping in, in His judgment of the city, they're like, well, what about all the righteous people uh, who didn't do anything in in Sodom? But I love number one something Matt said before we recorded. He's like. It's precisely the potential righteous people that Abraham tried to intercede on behalf of in the, in the previous uh, passage, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then here today, it keeps going out of its way to say, hey, everyone's involved. <laughs> the, right. From the greatest to the small, the young and the old, all the people to the last man in verse four are in on this activity. Uh, the, mm. There's no one to intercede on behalf of. <laughs> right. Everyone's um, culpable here, uh, it, and and also there there is this this talking about the arbiter uh, because it, it pre <laughs> Nathan, do you want to sing for us? Like what comes to mind? 
Oh yeah, uh, what well, the, the second you said arbiter, uh, I, I uh, reverted back to uh, college, and I thought of Halo Two. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Now, some, yeah, some of our some of our listeners have no idea what that uh, might be muted for copyright infringement when this project. <laughs> yeah, it was so good, Nathan. It's so it so matches the original. Right. So some of our listeners have no idea what Halo is, but uh, if you're a millennial like us and we're in college in the early two thousands. Uh, you know exactly what Halo is. It's a it's a video game with a storyline. Uh, and Gandalf someone asked me to explain Halo, be, and yeah, I said, yeah. "Oh, I can do that easily." Halo is why it took me five years in college instead of four. <laughs> Gandalf, give us give us a twenty second synopsis of what Halo is all about, and and what and then why we're why this fits. Uh, Halo is about the imminent destruction of all life in the galaxy that uh, gets induced by uh, the firing of the halo of these great halo rings in um in fact the the reason for the destruction is called the flood right right and the only means of salvation is uh, to get aboard the ark and uh, before we start before we were recording nathan pointed out that e everything is just the bible right <laughs> even even, mo even modern video games is, there's, uh, a, there's a character in there called the Arbiter, and that's I've been stuck on it every time Matt says Arbiter. I keep thinking of the character that's right. in the game the, Arbiter. That is not us saying that playing video games in your dorm room equates to Bible study, right? That, no. that, that, that is correct. But um, I think when looking at that story and, and thinking about the story here, there is not just that everything borrows from the Bible, but the Bible borrows from itself. And we've talked about design yes. patterns. Yes, oh, I love that. The, the, we've talked about design patterns as they occur within the scripture. This is not the first time that boundaries have been crossed between human beings and angelic beings, not all mm -hmm. of which are overtly sexual. This one clearly is. The first one, even though there are some and some... some well, it, minor it, traditions that uh argue that the first offense was a sexual offense uh, that's that's what i was going to say yeah so that you have that minority tradition in eden the, the right. two things is the, number one that the serpent uh is reacting that god is taking something uh lower and made it for a destiny that is greater that he was going to end up you know uh why should i have to worship him made out of mud when i'm made out of fire but there's right. that minority tradition that uh, the serpent begrudges that he doesn't have a companion, right? Um, uh, but I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. But it is, it is interesting that that's there. But the whole well, any, idea, any way you want to look at it, it's still a boundary being crossed. Though, that's right. right? Like, yeah. No the, either, either slice exactly. It. Either way, the serpent begrudges that God has put a boundary in place for him, and so he gets the he tries to get the humans to remove the boundary place for them. And so, what's uh, I like that Gandalf. Thank you. What's what's interesting though is that the the the, the new boundary becomes clothes, and and then clothes are you know obviously can potentially be violated if someone were to take someone uh, for sexual purposes, and that's what we see in Genesis six. We've talked about that before. That's the next interaction between um, the sons of God and the daughters the sons of, of man. God and the daughters. They of saw Ra'a that they were beautiful Tove, and so they Lakak took them. But, uh, but but everything in this passage is saying that the men of the city don't respect boundaries. Uh, That's right. You know, it's it's in other words, it's not just sexual boundaries; it's spatial boundaries. And we we still haven't discussed the sexual boundary. I mean, we're building up to that from Genesis three and Genesis six. Uh, but again, the fact that in the city, no one respects a locked door. <laughs> mm. 
that's that's huge. Uh, the, the essence of the essence of what we're seeing is that same rebellion against divinely established boundaries. Um, yeah, yeah. So what man. are we dealing with, Matt? So well, okay. Um, if you ask Jude, <laughs> um, I think Jude talks about the boundaries that are crossed here in this way. In in Jude uh, chapter one, only one chapter. So the verse seven, the way you would just say this is Jude seven, since there's only one chapter. In Jude seven, hey, Jude. it says, just as Sodom, Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality. So that's 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 one thing here. We've got sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire. Uh, so the the Greek there is strange or other flesh, unnatural. The, that word there is heteros. Uh, it just means other. We get heterosexuality, uh, uh, sexuality other than your own. I don't think it's talking about heterosexuality here. Um, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So if you back up to verse number uh Verse number six, right before that, it says, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the day of judgment. What was the, what was the boundary that the angels crossed? That's Genesis six. The yeah. boundary that the angels crossed was cohabitating uh, between divine beings and human beings. And that's why they are they are punished under the earth. Uh, then in verse number seven, which I read just a moment ago, it seems that Sodom and Gomorrah was guilty here of sexual immorality so perverse that it was willing to violate the boundary of divine beings and human beings. And, and there, and there so are two main interpretive options set forth for that, right? Correct. And the the question we're asking is, it, does it have to be an either or? Can it be a both end? The two main options is... Number one, that the essence of this is uh, same-sex relations, and the other mm -hmm. option, you know, uh, the fact that they see these men and they want to rape them, uh, the men of the city do. And the other option is, hey, maybe that's something even deeper than that, that these are, this is an inversion of Genesis 6, and rather than sons of God trying to take daughters of men, this is human men trying to rape the angelic visitors. Right. Um, so, Matt, what do we do with that? Well, so each of us has to make a decision. So there are some that to try to soften what the Bible says about homosexual behavior, um, say, hey, listen, this is only about angel misbehavior here, angel sin. So, you know, the Bible really doesn't address. Well, there's plenty of other passages in the Bible that address uh, homosexuality, and the Bible does not speak positively about homosexuality. Uh, and that is not for me to uh, speak against our homosexual neighbors. I'm just saying the Bible is what it is, and we can talk about those things when we get there. But I do believe that Jude is speaking here about the boundary between divine beings and um, and human beings, and it warrants the divine destruction because it is the design pattern. It's what brought the flood. It's that the... That the men and women cohabitated, produced the Nephilim, and then the earth got exceedingly evil, that it it became a place of, 
uh, if to tie the two passages together, you've got the before the flood, it was everybody was evil down to the last man so that everybody's heart was set on evil at all times. Then you've got here Sodom from the oldest man to the youngest man. Everybody is so intent on this is that a place of devoid of boundaries is willing to even to cross this boundary that punished the world initially through the flood. Yeah, and I, I and I, I'm not I don't want to push too much back on that uh, or back on that too much. Uh, it is interesting because uh, I, I have no problem with the the Jude reading. Obviously, that seems mm-hmm. pretty straightforward if we you know go with Jude. Um, but it is interesting in the text, even though they even though they recognize them as men, they still want in on it. I, I think it's I think it's the groping at the door thing. I think it's when the way, in other words, the the individual sin is less the point than the essence of the sin. We've lost the ability to see and respect boundaries that have been put in place. Mm. And even when we're blinded, we're still groping for the thing that is off limits. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it's it's because all of these things that there were once clear boundaries on, uh, those boundaries, you can't inherently assume that they're respected anymore. Um uh, and so you do spell out the men lying with men, men lying with animals, you know, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to major on a minor. It is interesting though, uh, that for the men of Sodom, they're going after men, right? O- only, mm-hmm. only lot welcomes these guys as angelic visitors, uh, you know, bowing to the ground, paying homage and things like that. Um, and again, there, that's not everything to say about this passage, but that is something that has to be grappled with. Yeah, I, I like that, Nathan. It it would be improper to separate. It's a uh, for me. The, it's the kind homosexual of a thing from this. It, but it, at the same time, the design pattern that I think that Jude picks up on is the. the oh yeah, he the, sees this as a, a dot connected to Genesis six. Absolutely right. So, but the big but the big thing is it's it's. It's the boundary crossing that has that is that is bringing the destruction. Yeah, and yeah. and again, I can't get over that. And this is Matt's thinking, not my thinking. He said it before we recorded. Uh, the city is marked by a wall. Uh, you know, uh, it's you know, it, Matt, Lot is described as being near the gate. <laughs> uh, right. it, the city is marked by a boundary, but once you cross the boundary into the city, boundaries don't matter here. <laughs> Right. Mm. So I think so in talking with some of my friends that are um, more agnostic towards the scripture and stuff like that, one of the things they see in Sodom here is is that they look less at the behavior of the Sodomites and just talk about the the morality of God just basically nuking a city like this. That just seems that seems overkill uh, um, and, you know, reacting to that. Well, there is like God did nuke the world with a flood and the same language of flood occurs when the Israelites overrun the promised land. That, that same word is used for the Israelites to drive out the, the pagan nations there. But it is interesting. And I, I learned this from, uh, I believe it was Tim Mackey that pointed this out is that there is no place in the old Testament where God orders the destruction down to the last man, destroying whole societies, that is not in some way connected to the the lineage of uh, 
the the Nephilim or some kind of boundary crossing. Like for instance, mm. every people that divine destruction is declared upon in the book of Ju Joshua and Judges, where you destroy them down to the last man and even the animals, has some kind of direct connection to Genesis six or the behavior of Genesis. Yeah, and there's oh my gosh, I'm, we're out of time, but there's so much to say about that. Right. So it's just hopefully we can see here boundaries are important but there's more here happening than just this Sodom reading the story this is of more than our modern discussion this is this yes. is connect connect the dots forward yes but also connect the dots backward to Genesis yeah. 6 and Genesis 3 yeah that works Gandalf what do you think I think that if you want to connect the dots forward there the it best is thing to do <laughs> is to subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast uh, that, that way you won't, you won't leave the boundary of a good biblical podcast. <laughs> stay, stay in the camp. Nathan, I appreciate you, uh, in my absence, subtly threatening our audience <laughs> to make them subscribe, either, either by uh, bodily harm or by insinuating that their salvation is linked to me. <laughs> Was I that firm about it? Lord of mercy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you guys for picking that up in my absence. And listener, uh, Come back every Tuesday morning. We have a new episode with always connecting the dots. And it's like these guys said, it's not it's it's far bigger than just our modern discourse, forward and backward. It's like we always say, it's always more, not less. Um is that every it, it, it guys? Uh, I have some lunch to get to. Uh that's it's a rather arbitrary decision of you, but I respect <laughs> there it <laughs> is. Yeah. See you all next time. Shalom. Let's clap sync in three, two, one. I heard that in real life. I heard it from down the hallway. <laughs> I heard someone bang on the... Oh, boy. All right. That's going in the end matter. <laughs>